Crane, and this is Everyday Heroes. Today we have Tommy Rosen, yoga teacher and founder of Recovery 2.0. Hi, Tommy. Thanks for being on the show. How are you? I'm, I'm fantastic, and it's my pleasure to be here. Oh, thank you. Our pleasure to have you. You do a lot of great work. As I mentioned, you're a yoga teacher, uh, you're founder of Recovery 2.0. Can you tell us a little bit more, or tell us about Recovery 2.0? Sure. Thank you. Well, Recovery 2.0 really was born out of the idea originally in 2013 that I couldn't find excellent information on the internet about how to recover from addiction and also how to be on a path of recovery long term. Mm -hmm. There just wasn't great information available. And in our, in our wonderful age of information, one would find that rather shocking. But even today, even in these past five years, we're in the middle of the worst addiction epidemic in history, and it's still very difficult to find great information on the web about actually how to recover and how to be a person on a path of recovery who's thriving in their life. Absolutely. Do you have any kind of... Um, the theory or any do you do you know why you find that now we are in this epidemic is there any reason that you've mm. seen or why it's happening currently sure well that that is is uh that's a question we can spend the next hour on or <laughs> next sure. week on if you'd like but i i will i will take a shot at it and we'll see where it goes sure thank you um so the overarching question really is, <clears throat> where does addiction come from? And what we understand and what we're putting out into the world is an idea that people understand addiction simply as a reaction to stress, to trauma, to pain, to discomfort. It's just a, a natural reaction of a human being who's trying to find comfort and trying to find ease in their life. So if we know that addiction is coming from trauma and pain, the real question we want to ask now, why are, we in, why are we in the middle of so much addictive response? The question is really, why are we in so much pain? Where is this pain coming from? What are people experiencing that they feel such a need to engage in self-harming behaviors over and over to create this condition? of addiction in their life. Mm -hmm. And as we, you know, we look out in our, in our world today and what we see is an incredible amount of stress, a lot of confusion, families breaking apart, human beings really pushed to the edge of what they can handle and not a lot of support systems, mm -hmm. not a lot of uh, willingness uh, for people to connect with people in many cases. So it all culminates in this kind of perfect storm of we feel disconnected from ourselves, we feel disconnected from each other, we do not necessarily identify with our sense of purpose and our mission. Or, you know, the question comes up, why are we here? Mm. What am I to do with my life? How am I to spend my time? How do I get to be creative, spontaneous, 
How can I connect? How can I love? And people really haven't been given a guidebook, if you will, Mm -hmm. a functional guidebook about how to achieve those things in this life. And without those things, without connection, without purpose, without love, we find ourselves in a really stressful quandary. What are we doing here? Sure. And it's, yeah. it's so painful mm-hmm. that people start to react and they start to find, look for, and, and find ways that they can feel better. Whatever you find, whatever your method is, for a little while, it may be a viable or it may seem like a viable solution. For me, that was finding marijuana when I was 13 years old. Mm. Really stressed out, really hyperactive kid. Sure. Under sort of low, low-grade anxiety in my life. And when I smoked marijuana for the first time, I felt like it was the first time I'd taken a deep breath in my entire life. Hmm. It's like, wow, what a sense of relief. Right. What a sense of ease. I've been searching for this feeling my whole life, and here it is. Mm. And so, so I would return to that again and again because... Sure. At least for that short period of time, I had found a solution to my problem. Right. I didn't didn't understand that my solution later on was going to lead to so much pain. But at that moment, things worked pretty well. Hmm. So that's kind of an emotional, philosophical answer to your question, why is there so much addiction right now? Mm -hmm. Because the stressors in the world are greater than they've been before. Mm-hmm. I'd like to give you, if you, if you don't mind, a, a little bit more of a practical, um, uh, historical answer to the question. Sure, that would be great. Okay. okay. In 1995, uh, Purdue Pharmaceutical Company mm-hmm. uh, comes out with an incredibly powerful over-the-counter version of essentially morphine or heroin. It's an opiate. It's called OxyContin. Right. OxyContin comes out in 1995. The FDA approves it. The purpose of OxyContin is longer-lasting pain relief. It's supposed to work for people who are in end-of-life scenarios or who are in extraordinary pain. And so that they can sleep through a night, uh, the the pain relief will last longer than than current uh, solutions that we had. So... Everybody felt, you know, what a great thing, what a great idea. Well, it just so happened that OxyContin, uh, like all opiates, uh, creates a tolerance in an individual, meaning, meaning you just, um, you just uh, the more you take, the more you need to take. And in fact, the more you take, the less long-lasting the thing actually works. So what, what they essentially put out into the market was something which was purported to last 12 hours, which very quickly doctors and patients found out it wasn't lasting 12 hours. In fact, over time, it wasn't even lasting eight hours or six hours. And so all of a sudden you were breeding uh, an entire community or an entire future addict population. Mm-hmm. Only the, these people were not people who had come up in you know, difficult emotional situations or difficult homes, they had simply maybe they had had a a car accident or a ski accident or they were in some end-of-life scenario or they had, you know, migraine headache or they had fibromyalgia 
because all of these conditions started being treated uh, by doctors by prescribing OxyContin. So it wasn't just end-of-life scenarios where you have cancer and you're dying, but it was any kind of pain you get in, doctors were starting to prescribe this drug. And do you think that was something from the misinformation to the doctors? Because that is a big epidemic right now. You hear OxyContin and uh, uh, any kind of opioids, and that's ravishing our country right now. It's very huge. Um, Yes. And is that... You know, it's it's hard. You want to fix that, right? Like, you just want to make it not so. And it's like, how do you do that? Because it seems like, you know, doctors are prescribing this. So you take it as, yeah. you know, legal, nothing wrong. You're doing what your doctor is telling you. Where am I wrong here? Exactly. I think is the average mindset, you know. Right. Well, you're hitting right on it. And I think, you know, on one hand, you have very powerful forces involved in the selling of these drugs, marketing forces, but also sure. financially, huge sums of money are being made. And huge sums of money uh, are being made by doctors, are also being made by pharmaceutical companies, uh, also being made by uh, rep, reps from the pharmaceutical companies, also by marketing agencies who are marketing the drug. So you have this perfect storm of very, very, very powerful uh, energies, if you will, coming together to sell a drug which is purported to do a certain thing, and when it doesn't end up doing that certain thing, one one starts asking oneself, where where is the information about the fact that this isn't working? Right, exactly. Where did that come from? That would come from patients to doctors, uh, doctors up to the pharmaceutical reps, um, the pharmaceutical reps back up to the, uh, the the folks at the pharmaceutical companies. Hey, we've got some feedback for you. Right. This isn't this isn't working out, and not only is it not working out, but we've got people who are now. Oh, of course, we didn't know right away. It took a, it took some years before we understood that hundreds of thousands of people were going to die from this. Ugh. Hundreds right. of thousands. Now, that's just opioids. That's just the Oxycontin thing. But I think it does hit on a bigger issue and a bigger problem, which is a human being in our society today is is under the influence, if you will, of very powerful marketing and advertising forces. And it makes it very difficult to know what's good or not good for you. Absolutely. Where where are you going to get your information from? You know, all these things come up. It is. And if we're not, you know, it's easy to get caught up into a marketing campaign. Things are so heavily pitched at you and you really, it takes real effort to really think about it and think about what am I being sold here? Why are they selling me this? And, you know, the common average person doesn't always think that thoroughly about a commercial or an ad or a billboard or a radio, anything that's being thrown at you. I think it's just, you know... Um, too much. And unfortunately, we are in this epidemic. And so here we are. And if we can just now um, kind of fast forward to what happens, right, when we go to Recovery 2.0. I'm very curious. I was looking at your website, and I really like your approach. Um, it's, It's so unique. And I like the one day at a time. 
This is, I, I haven't yeah. seen that. I, I, I've practiced yoga for many years, and um, I, I, ha, I, I like that that's what you instill as part of your practice because that makes it, to me, seem so, um, what's the word, In, unintimidating, not intimidating. And mm. I'd like to know more about one day at a time. In for in yoga sure. and how 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 are how does that help the the addict in recovery? Sure. Well, uh, one day at a time is a concept that comes out of the twelve step philosophy. It's one of the core spiritual teachings of Alcoholics Anonymous, Narcotics Anonymous, all of the fellowships that uh, have adopted the twelve steps. One of the core philosophies is one day at a time and. The, the the obvious the obvious value of adopting that perspective is that for the person who has been for let's just take an alcoholic for example sure. for a person who has been struggling with alcohol addiction and they're now you know they've reached a bottom they recognize that they have a problem they they don't know yet what they're going to do about the problem but they know they can't continue to live the way they've been living so that person is about to make a very big change in their life, and that big change in their life is something they've probably tried many times before but been unsuccessful. So the question is, of course, um, how can we help a person to get some time and a little space between them and their drug of choice, in this case, alcohol? Sure. So just being able to get through a single day Mm. setting that as your goal. I just get through today. I just have to go to bed tonight when I lay my head down on that pillow and I have not picked up a drink or a drug. That is a victorious day. That is a successful day. And it, it helps the newcomer to begin to get some time and some momentum behind mm -hmm. this effort. It's mm -hmm. taking life in a manageable chunk when it comes to getting through cravings or it comes to getting through whatever the challenges are that would, would be difficult for you to get through a day. So that's the obvious and the, the most surface mm -hmm. uh, interpretation for me of, of sure. one day at a time, but it goes so much further so than much just deeper. that. So how does, spiritual. How does Sorry, yoga and meditation uh, help the recovery, the person mm. um, in recovery? How does that actually <clears throat> work? Sure. Specifically, so for when you're in recovery, yeah. So addiction, all addiction, comes from something that is rooted in the past. Interesting. So it can be a mem a memory, mm -hmm. a trauma, a resentment, uh, uh, emotions that originated at some point in the past that you're still carrying on some level mentally and perhaps physically in the body as well, emotional energy. So because we know stress, you know, stress comes from behaviors that originated in the past. It's, you may be anxious about the future, but it, that, that anxiousness about the future is something that you've developed as a habit, which came from your past. So yoga and meditation is all about releasing the past. It's all about working with the traumas, working with the emotional residue in the body, working with the memory 
and mental uh, affliction of addiction. Yoga will bring you to a place ultimately of presence. And by presence, I mean you have finally been able to sit still and be in the present moment. When you're fully in the present moment, you are, at least for that moment, you're released from the imprisonment of addiction from the past, of all that stress, all that unfinished business, all that emotion, all the things that make you feel like you're overwhelmed in your life. Yoga and meditation will bring you to a place where you can have peace and ease. The same thing you were looking for through repeating self-harming addictive behavior, mm. the same outcome is available for you through yoga and meditation. That, Do you understand the power of that? I, it, yes. And it sounds, uh, you know, as you're saying this, it's, it sounds so nurturing to the self and so soothing. Mm. Um, it kind of reminds me a little bit of uh, possibly like inner child work where you're um, nurturing yourself, your person, and your, uh, I, I'm sh it's so much more and, and deeper than that, but it's just, it's kind of flashing me when you, when you do some of that self-love work and how powerful that yeah. can be and giving yourself permission to be healthy and okay. And um, mm. again, it's what you do is beyond that. I know you're going deeper and you're working with people who are um, suffering through addiction and ailments. Um, but it, it reminded me of that. And that is uh, so yeah. healing and a very beautiful, um, boy, what a, just something so beautiful and uh, life changing, which is what you do um, for people. And it just, yeah, that really, um, it just gets me very emotional. Um, what, well, so you're giving people tools, you're giving people tools to cope. Yes. Through what they're going tools. through. Yes. Uh, tools to cope, tools to unravel the confusion. Tools they may never have tools. had, you think, or forgotten about, well, never knew. Well, maybe maybe they never had them or maybe they never put them into into play sure. and to see what the outcome would be of, of actually applying these tools to their life. Um whenever anybody teaches anybody, there's really two things that are needed. One is good teachings. You need good teachings, but you also need inspiration. Hmm. Otherwise, good teachings just sort of <laughs> sit out there and you've, you've put a good idea in front of somebody, but you haven't inspired them to, 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 to bring it into their life. So the inspiration piece of this is, is challenging because people who struggle with addiction are so... You know, they, they, they really don't believe in themselves. They've got, you know, across the board, they've got a, a pretty poor track record right. of completing things and changing. They, they, they quite literally have been stuck. So here you are presenting new ideas and they're like, yes, these are good ideas. Yes, I see these are good ideas, but you know, you don't know me. You know, I'm not really able to, 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 to implement ideas in my life. I'm not able to complete things in my life. That's what I've shown myself. And so, so it's a self-esteem self so issue as well, self-esteem and, um, yes. lack of self maybe of, um, yes. of self exactly. present. How did you get on this path, Tommy? Of yeah, teaching? So I, I come from a history and yoga. of drug addiction. 
Okay. Uh, I'm sorry? Oh, and yoga. What brought you to yoga, and how did you get on this path of serving others? Sure. Uh, I come to it, you know, very much the honest way. Yes. <laughs> Which is through pain and suffering of my own. And uh, I, I went down very far down a path of addiction myself in my life and managed to uh, find the teachers and the teachings and the love and the connection and the healing that I needed to, to climb out of that hole. And that was 26 years ago. And so now 26 years later. Congratulations. Um, well, thank you. Yeah. Thank you. Um, yeah. Uh, I say the world is a safer place with me as a sober person. Um, but, uh, (laughs) I, I would, I would, um, I would suggest that the fact that I've been through so many forms of addiction Mm -hmm. from drug addiction and alcoholism to codependency and all the challenges with relationships, uh, money, money based addictions such as gambling and being in a, in a constant state of debt for long periods of time, all of those things. That's interesting. We forget Um, about those ones, right? Eating addictions, um, both, you know, too much, not enough. Food. Exercise addiction, yeah. financial addict, money addiction. Um, it can just the spectrum's huge. We're not just talking about substance dependency on yes. drugs, yeah. but right. It's it's a it's a wide wide. Um, yeah. We we talk about the big six, which is drugs, alcohol, food, people, mm. money, and technology. Right. As being the big, the main big six addictions. And, and we go beyond that. Um, but really addiction is just anything that causes you to look away from the present moment. In the end, we're all addicted to looking away. Hmm. What's, you brought up a good point, technology, just now. Um, and I'd like to hear your take. I feel like we're in the age of technology, computers, right? Everyone's addicted to their mm. eye, whatever, phone, this, and yep. that. Um, yep. So it's, you know, again, marketing, it, it kind of pitches us that it's a way to connect with people all the time, constantly. And yet, what is mm. your take on that? Do you, do you feel it does that or do you feel it does something different? Uh, technology is not inherently good or bad like money is not inherently good or bad. Mm-hmm. Like food is not inherently good or bad. You know, it's just right. how we use it, mm-hmm. how we put it to to use in our life. And I think, you know, what we see nowadays, especially in our younger, well, two or three generations, two generations beneath me would be the children of today. So today's kids yes. okay. are growing up in a world where, you know, they're looking at a screen about 10 to 13 hours a day. That's a fact. Right. Yeah. If, if you sleep eight hours a night, you're only awake 16 hours. So out of the 16 hours that you're awake any given day, 10 of those hours approximately are being spent by most kids looking at a screen of some kind or another in the Western world, in the United States in particular. Right. So, so what does that do? Well, it, there's a reliance uh, upon a kind of interaction with an electronic device 
which pulls you away from the outside world and other people. The way that one is connecting uh, is now virtual, electronic. And if you don't counterbalance that, in my opinion, with real life, looking into someone's eyes, connecting right. with a human being, yes, uh, and I'm talking about all forms of relationship mm-hmm. with your family, with friends, with colleagues, romantically, if you're not looking at somebody in the eye, if you're not connecting with someone, like, you know, I guess the, the clearest thing I can tell you about is that when I grew up, if you wanted to have a date with somebody, you would, you would know you were interested in somebody by the chemistry between you. Sure. Yeah. And the, and the way, the way you would tell, because there were, there were little cues and there were glances and there were, there was an energy that developed, oh, you know, there's this, this nice energy between us. And that was, there was a chemical reality to that um, internally in each human being, like, you know, endorphins were going off or whatever it was. Right, exactly. And you knew, but, but, but nowadays that's, that's, not, that's not possible these days. Mm-hmm. It's possible, but it's not happening. So that's a strange, interesting thing, uh, shift in sociology for us. I but agree. also the way our brains change when we take in information or, or have our faces looking at a screen all day long, um, it changes the way our brains are operating. And we don't know, we don't really know where that's going, but I'm going to venture a bet that it's not going to good places. What, uh, what is a day in the life of Tommy? What does a day hmm. in the life of Tommy look like? Sure. Uh, I wake up, Sometime around five o'clock, I do what I call my sadhana practice, which is a, a daily spiritual practice. It includes yoga, meditation, breath work, and chanting. Is that a and, yoga practice based? A type of yes. yoga? Okay. Yes, it leans on yoga. Um, it's it's not any particular kind of yoga. It's just yoga. Got it. And um, and it's uh, a path of essentially starting out the day on the right foot and connecting with myself, my innermost self and being able to move beyond uh, the influence of my thinking uh, into what we would call a greater sense of consciousness. Mm-hmm. Once that's established, then maybe there's some journaling. Maybe there's a more extensive yoga practice, physically speaking. Uh, maybe there's breakfast. And then, you know, from there, it's, it's, it's reading, writing, connecting, and doing all the work of Recovery 2.0, teaching, uh, doing videos, uh, writing blogs, communicating about addiction and how to recover from it, all those things. Being with my wife Very a lot. Very nice. Important. Traveling a lot. Yep. That's kind of me. Recovery 2.0, is this... Uh something anybody can do they can get oh, yeah. onto the website and anyone who has access to uh www.recovery2.0 just make sure i got that right and for people who um want to take that down too right now uh that it's, is something it's just r it's r it's r20.com oh. the, the letter r for recovery and then the number two and the number zero.com oh r20. okay thank you well let me yeah, let me say You're that welcome. again then. Just it's uh, www.r20 20? 
Yep. Dot com. And that's something anybody can hop on the website and do, can join in. Oh yeah, we have we have we have a membership which is paid. We have all kinds of free content all the time coming out from YouTube to oh, podcasts great. to yeah. everything that you can imagine. We have workshops and and retreats and immersions that we do all over the world. We have uh, our membership in particular is very exciting because for just $140 a year, we can essentially involve somebody in an entire new lifestyle. I know. I, I was going to mention that. I, I was, you know, looking at your website and um, was just, it made me so happy and impressed to see such good stuff <laughs> out there. It really did. It really just, just lightened my heart and just, it was, it was great. And I couldn't believe, so I, I, you know, went on to one of the, I guess, membership. It was a meditation one that I wanted. And I was like, $140 for a year? That's $11 and some change a month. That is yep. amazingly reasonable, especially in today's world, what um, many yeah. studios and gyms and pr- different types of practices um, would you know, what they would require. So, yeah, I I was also very um, impressed by that because, you know, when we're upon hard times, we don't always have easy access to, uh, you know, money and and being able to financially um, support ourselves, especially in our, you know, times of uh, feeling very low or that things aren't in order in our lives. Uh, So I thought that was really great. Thank you, Lorraine. So they can go on this, mem- so they can get the membership, and then what does that give them if they are a member? Well, yeah, it, it will give anybody access to an entire library of teachings. A yoga anytime, videos, yoga, yoga classes, videos. meditation classes anytime they want? Anytime. It's okay. just full access to everything. Nice. Then we do 52 Mondays, 52 Mondays a year. So every Monday night of the year, we do a live webinar for all members so you can make that a part of your recovery and a part of your life that at 5 p.m pacific time on monday night you'll be hearing a live teaching from either me or another teacher uh, about recovery from addiction but also about spirituality or nutrition or any of a variety of topics about how to live really well on this path and and mostly what i think we're giving people is connection to others so you can connect with the rest of the community Nice. Feeling like and, you're not alone. And access this lifestyle. Right. That's big, right? <laughs> it's big. <laughs> it is big. <laughs> uh, I wanted to ask you, but, you know, I feel like you've already answered it, but if you haven't, um, please answer uh, answer this. Um, what keeps you doing what you do? Well, I feel like I've had a second chance uh-huh. at life. Uh, many times, many second chances. And I feel that every step of the way, my teachers, whoever they were, whatever form they took, gave gave me the love and the teachings necessary for me to continue my personal life and my growth, my healing. Mm. And after you've been given something like that and and you you recognize that you've healed, you feel 
very compelled to pass that along to other people who are suffering in the way that you used to. So that's really it. It's just... Well, thank God you feel that way. That I mean, that's amazing, Tommy. That's big. I, I don't... I don't know if if everyone truly I, I don't know but speaking from you and from your heart that that is beautiful and hmm. um just beyond how you have taken that and and decide taken what happened in your life and said I'm going to do this. Yes. Well, it's it's uh, the natural next thing Hmm. it's what seems like the right next thing to do absolutely who Hmm. has really i'm sure there's been many who but who has really um was really pivotal in changing your life well my my teacher my life teacher guru prem guru prem is um is an american-born sikh who found his way to kundalini yoga and the Sikh path um, through Yogi Bhajan, his teacher, um, back in the 70s. And Guru Prem was learning and healing and practicing and teaching Kundalini Yoga and yoga in general. And he, I was very fortunate to find him at a point in my life, a point in my recovery when I really needed the next lesson plan, if you will. What? And he was there. And how long have you been... Um has he been your teacher? Um, since uh, December of 2003. Oh, wow. was when I met him. And pretty much from day one, I said to myself, whatever this guy has to offer, I'm going to go get it. Uh, <laughs> I'm going to receive it. Tommy, uh, you're so yeah. inspiring um, in so many ways, and you're such a special person. And... Um, I'm sure many people would like to know this, um, especially people who are struggling. And if you would want to share, but what what is that changing point from struggling and having you know the this time where you just think you know life may not get any better and things are just terrible and things you know just being in a terribly low point in your life? What where what is that? space between that and the next step which is finding guru prem or but what what gets somebody to do that right because you need that bit of gusto or whatever is inside of you to just that fire whatever it is to just get you out of your bed and get you into that next thing and it's so sad in our culture that one space is is missing from you know from us as a society and a lot of people struggle with getting Mm. to that next step of changing or allowing their life to be changed. And what was it for you? It's a, it's a long story okay, and it's difficult to answer, but I would just simply say that you come to a place of humility. Uh, You recognize that in a way you've been beaten Right. And that's, and that's a good recognition. So, you know, a friend of mine says there's two kinds of people in the world, people who are humble and people who are about to be. Ah. And, mm-hmm. and I really, I think that that plays out in our world every day. You've sort of got this choice. You can be 
you come in humble or you get humbled. And if that doesn't work, then you'll get humiliated. So all of those things are uh, that happen to people who struggle with addiction. You know, we're going to be moved toward humble and then we're going to be moved toward humiliation. And, and a person can really only take that so long when they either decide to kill themselves or they die as a result of it or they change. Right. So initially, initially, that humility and that recognition that, you know, I, I cannot go on like this any longer. This is not some kind of, uh, this is not like I can take any credit for this. This is just, you've beaten yourself up so badly mm-hmm. that now you have to change. Now, once you change and once you're on a path of recovery, you're still going to need teachers along the way at every step of your, uh, your personal development. You're going to need another teacher. <laughs> You still have to be open. You still have to be humble. You still have to be teachable. And you still have to be hungry for it and actually want to, to know the answer, want to know, you know, how do I show up as a sober person in this crazy world? How do I do it? You know, and everybody asks themselves, That's how can so I be true. my best? Yes. What's, get, what's getting in the way? And so the, the questions for me are the same as the questions for any human being. What's the next right thing for me to do from where I am today? You know, what's, I'm a beginner to my next step. Yeah, I'm 26 years sober and I'm very grateful to be that. But what's my next step? Mm -hmm. Because I'm a beginner to whatever that next thing is, I'm still a beginner to that. And everybody is in the same boat, therefore. We're all beginners to our next step. That is great advice. That's great advice for anybody and everybody walking this earth, right? Um, you have a book. Tell us about it. It's true. Yes. <laughs> yeah, it's called Recovery 2.0. Yeah. <laughs> um, Re- Recovery 2.0, Move Beyond Addiction and Upgrade Your Life. It was published by Hay House. I'm very, very proud to be a Hay House author. And, and that came out in 2013, 14? 14. 14. 14. 2014. Okay. It's been acclaimed and we've sold, a, I don't know how many tens of thousands of copies, but a lot. And um, it's changed the life of a lot of people, which makes me very, very, very happy and very grateful. Oh, um, my goodness, yes. There's some memoir in there. There's some philosophy in there. There's some very practical uh, tools and advice for anybody who's you know, interested in moving to their next right step, whether you think you're an alcoholic or not or drug addict or not, or any kind of addict or not, this is really a book for the human race, uh, seeing uh, that we take a very, very broad view on addiction, you Mm -hmm. know, to include even negative thinking and self-doubt and procrastination and things like that is all on 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 the spectrum of addiction. How can we move beyond it? Everybody wants to know. So this is a book that you can dig into and, and there's a lot of good information in there. That. It's so true. I think if you're a human being and you've, you know, you've survived past the point of birth, there has been some kind of struggle or trauma already, right? I mean, birth seems like it could easily be a struggle or trauma. It doesn't, you know, just getting through that, mm-hmm. you know, just getting into the world. Um, and I think yeah. that's part of our, the culture we live in, the human condition is 
we are looking for ways that, um, you know, that a guidebook, a way that, you know, tools, things to help us get through this, this crazy world, like you said at times. Um, and yeah. it definitely is. I wanted to know, so this is a question I ask all my guests. Um, if Tommy ruled the world, what would be one thing that you would require people do to make the world a better place as a whole? Mm. Learn how to breathe properly. Ah, I love that. Just that. That would be enough. Mm -hmm. That would do it. Learn how to breathe properly. Yes, that's it. <laughs> nothing more. There's nothing to add. You just. I you love have to that. Learn Isn't that amazing? It's something we just do so mm. innately. We just think, oh, we're breathing, and <laughs> <laughs> but really. Are we really breathing? Like, I, I get it. You go deeper. And yep. I mean, for instance, is that something we could, you know, do on Recovery 2.0? Do you have a class oh, yeah. that, okay, breath work and. One of the first, one of the first videos you'll be sent when you're a member is called Intro to Breathing. So that you can really learn how to consciously breathe and use the breath for all of, all of its purposes, not just bringing in oxygen and releasing carbon dioxide, but all of its purposes, you know, changing your emotional state, dropping down into a meditative state. Mm -hmm. The breath does all that for you, but you have to know how someone has to show you. And once you know how you can unravel tension patterns in the body, you can heal things that people don't necessarily feel are healable. Mm -hmm. You can unlock greater sense of power. You can unlock healing, you can unlock balance, you can unlock your potential, all of that through the breath. But just like you said, people are like, oh, well, it's the breath. We're all doing it. What's the big deal? I don't understand, you know. Right. And you won't understand until you do understand, and then you'll understand and you'll realize, wow, this was, this was at my disposal my whole life and I never knew. Isn't that amazing? I yes. mean, it really makes Remarkable. you... It really makes you think about the, the things that we just possess within ourselves that, you know, we, we, could, um, we could use more efficiently or we could even just unlock or just start using that we're not. Um, yes. It's very cool. Do you have any events coming up uh, that people can go to, actually physically go to, to see you or hear you? Yes. Yeah, we, we have... I guess we have about 15 major events this year. Wow. Um, they'll, come out, they'll come out in our calendar. Uh, our calendar comes out day after tomorrow, actually, for 2018. Oh, great. And the, the two that I'm most excited about, there's so many, but <clears throat> the, the two that I'm most excited about is we're doing our first uh, seven-day immersion on the East Coast uh, in a place called Boone, North Carolina, mm -hmm. at the Art of Living Institute there. And that's over July 4th weekend. Oh, beautiful. So over July 4th, yes, we will celebrate our independence from addiction. I was uh, just going to say, I love that synchronicity. I love it. I, uh, that is the symbolism of it. That is so awesome. It's great. Thank you. Yeah, excited. Second one is we're, we're going to be, uh, every year we do uh, a very powerful training at a place called Kripalu, which is in Western Massachusetts. Mm -hmm. And... 
my friends Ralph Gates and Nikki Myers and myself and uh, Dr. Melody Moore and Tim Walsh and Elena Brower, all these wonderful teachers, we all get together and we teach a week-long symposium on yoga meditation and recovery from addiction. And that's over, that's the Monday of uh, Memorial Day, the end of May, oh. Monday of Memorial Day through, through Friday. So oh, that's wow. a very exciting uh, event as well. Okay, so that's coming up. Um, people can start planning for Couple that more. one now. Oh, yeah. May. Okay. That's great. Tommy, the work you do is so awesome. Yeah. I'm just always um, just, yeah, talk about humble, just humble to be um, around you and speaking to you. Um, if you want to find that information, I'm going to say your website again and try not to mess it up. It's sure. www.r.com. 20.com. Yes. Okay. Exactly. Thank R you so much for having me. I'm really grateful. Oh, thank you, Tommy. Um, it, the feeling is likewise. And I just want to, we just have another minute or two left, and I just want to leave off on this question. What is the hardest thing and best thing about what you do? Hardest thing first. About well, the work can I you tell do? you, we had, you know, 50,000 people plus uh, die from overdose in the last 12 months. Oh, God. And uh, I guess personally, I know maybe two or three or four of them. I'm sorry. And then through people that I work with, I probably know, you know, 100. And so that's, uh, that's painful. It's just very difficult Absolutely. to lose people, the permanence of it in the... Mm -hmm. The finality of death uh, in this way is, is incredibly difficult and painful in the work that I do. Um, so that would be the hard part. Um, the best thing is watching people thrive. Mm. Just seeing, seeing somebody who was once stuck in addiction, you know, thrive in their life is just the greatest thing ever. It makes it all worth it. And uh, so, you know, those are the two, those are the two sides of the coin that we're dealing with when, for anybody who's working in the field of addiction, you hate to lose people and you love to see people succeed. Absolutely. So two extremes. Yes. Extremes. Tommy, thank you so much for taking your time to be on this show. Uh, this is indeed why you are an everyday hero and this is Lorraine Salazar saying I'll see you next week on Everyday Heroes. Thank you. We can be heroes.